0: we
2: here on the Michigan insider sports talk 1050 wtka online at wtk.com Sam Webb Mr wine travel on the other side him go blog roundtable coming up uh in the next hour uh we obviously will dive into all things Michigan which will which allows me in this moment as we have Seth Fisher with us just to get a wellness check on you I, Seth I've been saying all week you know there are there are scars that will never heal for me in my life as a sports fan I will forever be scarred by the 88 NBA finals. I will forever be scarred by the 1990 Michigan Michigan State game.
1: Uh-huh. I will
2: forever be scarred by the 2016 Michigan Ohio State game. I will forever be scarred by the 1993 uh, National Championship game uh, with the University of Michigan. I mean, th- these are things that will live with me forever. What happened with the Lions on Sunday? It'll never go away. That The wound will heal, as I've been saying. But the scar will always be there. I just, I still can't believe they lost that game,
1: man. Man, I, I could not remember a time where my sports fandom just went from so high to so low with one of my teams so fast. Like that was just, I, you know, you, you go, you go get some food during halftime. You come back, you sit down on the couch, and five minutes later. You know, I was getting texts from my friend being like, hey, dude, we're coming to town for the Super Bowl. <laughs> and, like, and we're making plans. And he's
2: like, hey, hey, I didn't tell Ira this. Alejandro texted me at halftime. He said, I'm going to try to get us credential for the Super Bowl. And I said, go for it. We're going to see if we can make it. Make
0: he it said it. he was going to start a GoFundMe on Twitter way too early.
1: Oh, my God. I mean, all they had to yeah. do was catch one of the balls that went their way. And I'm not just talking about the receivers dropping balls that that are perfectly catchable. I'm talking about cornerbacks having passes going off their faces. Right? Like this is this is just that was any one of those passes get caught. Any of them. Any one of the interceptions, any one of the, anything. If you get that sack, you know, on a point where there were three major scrambles at the end of the game. Any of those turn into a sack. Anything you just had to have, not the worst quarter of your entire season, right there, and you're in the Super Bowl. And oh my God, man! But you know what, Sam? I, I, I was. I feel. I felt horrible for a day afterwards. All right. The next morning, I was still bad. I just had a rotten day the next day, and and that happens. Like you know, when Michigan has lost, eventually they'll have a, a football loss again. We'll feel this way again. Haven't felt that in a while, but you know you that feeling you have that next day that went away after a day and i really came around to man i can't believe i actually got to feel the sports feels with the lions because i've had that, those walls up my whole life i you know my my dad is, my dad died not knowing a good lions team and he used to say i'm not even going to watch them anymore and then you go watch them every sunday anyway but <laughs> he I'm, we go through the same thing all the time, and it was just like you got to learn to like make jokes about it. There is no other sports franchise like the Lions. I love it when other people when fans of other teams try to say, "Oh man, I'm a Giants fan. I know how you feel." No, you do not. I'm a Browns fan. I know it's like for you guys. No, you don't. No other team has been through it like the Lions. No other team. You want to make a list of like the ten greatest refereeing blunders in the history of of uh, the NFL? Eight of them are Lions getting screwed, and one of them that's not a Lions getting screwed is a Seahawks game that screwed the Lions out of the playoffs so we're talking a whole new level on sports, and like this team that program, that franchise we let in and you know what, it was a part of my fandom I I never knew what it was like to be an NFL fan, because we didn't have an NFL franchise, we had the Lions (laughs) and this year we had an NFL team and I got to experience what it's like being a Seahawks fan, what it's like being a 49ers fan, what it's like being a Chiefs fan. All these people that you meet, and they say, oh, yeah, I man, the whole town was really into it. The kids were wearing the stuff to school. We had a Lions Day at school. My kids wore Lions clothes to school one day. When has that ever happened in our lives, Sam? Yeah, I hear you. You know what?
2: I... Thought that they could win this game. I thought that the 49ers were the superior team, but I was like, man, the Lions, with the way the 49ers have been playing, the Lions can win this game. But I came out of the game and was like, man, the Lions are better than that team. Yeah. The Lions are better than them. Like, I, it's like, yeah. oh my God. It's just like you, you, you watch it, you're watching them run it down their throats. It's like, this is, and J Mo coming out to shoot if they just don't beat themselves. And I thought to take anything away from Brock Purdy, who Really turned it up in the second half. They made some unbelievable catches uh, in there too. I'm not saying that they didn't make plays; that they aren't a really good team. They couldn't win the Super Bowl, but the reason the Lions lost that game had more to do with the Lions than the 49ers, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I, I, I wish I could look forward to the future and know because right now I still have this feeling like this is a really good team. They're getting Ben Johnson back next year. They're there, are, this was like the 2000. This is the 2022 TCU game, right? Where they they yep. beat themselves, and next year, watch out because now they're angry and now they're hungry. The only difference is with Michigan, everyone in the world realized it and we're trying to stop them. With the Lions, every NFL fan is going to be like Lions are their second team next year. Everyone yeah. loves these guys, you know, from the biting yeah, in the good. kneecaps to yeah. Yeah, schedule's gonna be tougher, but you know
2: you should be up to the task. Now you showed you you went into Dallas, you should have beat Dallas. You should have beat San Francisco. Like in San Francisco, right? You can you can ball. You can beat these teams. So anyway,
1: yeah, the Lions. Were we the got the best team in the block. NFC this year. That's hands down. Okay, I'm um,
2: and see that's not even ridiculous. Yeah, it's like that's like legit. You yeah. should come in the next season, and think Super Bowl. Don't, don't lean into it. Yeah. You're that good. We have the MGO Blog Roundtable coming up on the other side. Looking forward to getting your reactions to the, the week that was. Of course, we had Jerome Moore be officially named. We had Ben Herbert's departure. Uh, we've had some staff movement. More to come. A lot to break down. Of course, there's basketball to talk about as well. <laughs> A lot to dive into on the MGO Blog Roundtable. You're on the Michigan Insider on Sports Talk 1050, WTK The Ticket. The official voice of the University of Michigan Sports Ann Arbor Accumulus Station. And we are back, folks here on the Michigan Insider Sports Talk 1050 WTKA online at WTKA.com. Sam Webb, Mr. Ira Wine, travel on the other side. And of course, as we do every single Thursday, top of the nine o'clock hour, we are joined by our friends from MGO Blog for the MGO Blog Roundtable. And so we'll go through the introductions again, starting off first with the man who started it all at MGO Blog, Brian Cook. BC, good morning. How are you?
0: Well, I was going through some financials last night and I <laughs> discovered that on January 10th, 18 people donated $34.13 to <laughs> MGO Blog. I want to thank those people. And also, that caused me to remember that Michigan won the national championship game by three touchdowns a mere three weeks ago, which I am still basking in.
2: As well, you should. As well, you should. <laughs> uh, also, from MGo Blog, our good friend Seth Fisher, who we've already talked to. Seth, good morning. How are you?
1: Good morning. I was I was on earlier, and then you threatened to talk about basketball, so I almost had uh, had to jump off. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and then, of course, Craig Ross. Craig, good morning. How are you? Morning. I, you know, I don't know how Brian does gets eighteen people to pay him thirty four dollars and thirteen cents. I can't get my clients to pay me, you know, anything close to that amount. Uh, <laughs> so. I mean, it's congrats. I mean, you're a genius as a business person, apparently. So, <laughs> so fellas,
2: we knew it was on the horizon. We knew Sharon Moore would be uh, the next head coach for Michigan. It didn't take long. It wound up uh, happening last Friday, introductory press conference on Saturday. Uh, and then, of course, we've seen uh, some staff movements since. Ben Herbert uh, going to the <laughs> NFL. And Jesse Minter hasn't been announced yet, but it, it, it will. But they, them, those two following Jim to uh, L.A. Meanwhile, some staff: with Grant Newsome going up to O-line coach uh, Justin Tress brought on as the new strength coach. Just your reflections and reactions, starting with you, Brian, to the week that was in Michigan football and in the start of the Sharon Moore era. Well, obviously, losing Ben
0: Harbert is tremendously disappointing. Like, um, I'm sure a guy like Herbert has put together a good staff. And I think that Michigan should be in relatively good shape going forward, but to not be able to retain him when NFL teams don't really have the same role is, uh um, it's not great. Um And to me, like that's one of those blank check kind of things where it's like, yeah, whatever you want, Ben Herbert, we're the richest athletic department in America. Let's let's make it count. Um, Obviously, Minter was going to go either way, so that's fine. And now it's more about trying to figure out who's going to come in. Um, I'm actually surprised that Jay Harbaugh hasn't been announced as a Chargers assistant at this point. Um, So somehow he stays. And it looks like.
2: Have they announced anyone yet? Have the Chargers announced any staff members yet?
0: uh, They have not, I don't think. But there's no reporting about it. There's reporting about Herbert, there's reporting about Minter. Right. So, um, and, you know, we're all hoping that someone from the Ravens tree is able to come in as DC and more or less continue what McDonald and Minter started. Um, So it's relatively good news that um, Jeff Halfley took the Packers DC job because Zach Orr was up for that. But the problem is with Mike, Mike McDonald taking the Seattle job, there are now two open defensive coordinator slots Mm -hmm. in the NFL that Zach or fits pretty nicely in. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't look like the most obvious, like Ravens up up and comer assistant is, is likely to land at Michigan. So figuring out who the DC is, is going to be, I think the most important thing going forward because offensive coordinator like Sharon's done it. Kirk Campbell obviously had a pretty big influence in, in what they were doing last year. I'm not really concerned about that. I'm concerned about, you know, can they keep the train rolling on the other side of the ball,
1: mm-hmm. Seth? Yeah, I mean, losing Herbert to, to Harbaugh. Now I understand what it was like when you know we would win a wide receiver and the other team would be like, "You're not even going to use him. What are you doing?" So re- recruiting against Jim Harbaugh is, is is not fun, and I think that's what happened. I think Harbaugh convinced Herbert that he was able to, you know, you're going to be the first. Strength conditioning coach in the history of the NFL, that all the other players are going to dump their own guys and listen to you. I don't think it's going to work. I think that, you know, there's a tiny window if he, if it doesn't work in a year, if he's like, this is stupid, that he could come back because it's just his assistant running the show anyway. I'm not, I'm not guessing that's going to happen, but I mean, that's a big loss because that was part of the program, right? That we build you up uh Michigan's still going to try to sell that I'm sure Sharon Moore is a good uh, good recruiter and you know what Brian said about defensive coordinator you got to keep this defense going because this defense is what um it is is what is on top meta wise that's how you win these games so you know there's there're there are a lot more options other than Ravens to to cheat this kind of defense it's not that they're the only ones running it but They're the ones who know the terminology. They're the ones who would be able to fit seamlessly into what we're doing like Minter did last year. And I really think the best thing that Michigan can do, um, aside from like losing the administration short term, is win next year. They keep this defense together. They figure out what they're going to do on offense. And you have a chance to be a much better program next year than people are expecting. They're returning a lot more than people think. The year after that, things are going to start getting dicey. You have a lot of guys who are coming to the end of their terms or they're going to go to the NFL next year. Grant and, uh, you know, and Graham, obviously, are, the t- are two big ones. Um, but you got to get your house in order. And I'm very concerned right now, long term, about whether this administration is going to Benny Oosterbund and Sharon Moore, where they're just not going to give him the support he needs to be able to compete in a world that is changing very rapidly. And you don't just need a, a replacement level administration right now. You need to have someone who is going to lead college football for the next 10 years. That's who's got to be on top of this program, or they're going to fall behind really fast.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think the point about Oosterbahn is a good one, uh, that there wasn't the appropriate support at, at, at that transition. But, you know, the good news here to me is, first of all, they didn't screw around with Sharon. I mean, it's not like we waited three weeks and they had a bunch of interviews. No, they decided that you had a a guy there that could do the job and uh, has shown his competence. And so they hired him. And I think it's a good idea in any institution, if you've got such people to promote them uh, because it it builds a certain strength within the entity. Uh, And uh, so I'm, glad that happened i'm also glad and and sam can speak to this because i've been hearing that michigan's recruiting on the football side is one of the smaller departments around we're at like indiana level <laughs> or lower now i don't know if that's true or not but i've been hearing that elsewhere and it sounds like ferron wants to sort of bulk up bring more people in make the re- the recruiting department itself a little more vital. And I've on other boards sites, I've, I've uh, there's been some grousing that that Michigan has sort of gone thin, uh, in that arena. And I, I don't know if that's your impression, Sam, or not, but it sounds like that's a place Sharon has decided, you know, we need to, we need to be better here. And they're talking about a general manager, Mm-hmm. in the you know, well, in just, the
2: that's just one of the that's just one yeah. of the things that he's he's talking uh-huh. about the, the personnel department the support staff will absolutely be beefed up mm-hmm. and you know he's um you know the guy at notre dame chad Bolton. yeah I, I think that's gonna be if he wants it to be a bidding war it'll be a bidding war like he's going hard in the paint for that dude he's done the men in black day and the you know the 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 leprechaun day. I don't know if that how much that moves the meter yeah. with fans. But the point is the the what they do with recruiting it at, at Notre Dame is well beyond the the style and approach that we've seen at Michigan. I'm not being not saying they obviously got guys in the past, but as NIL becomes more and more of a factor here, and you aren't getting in the pay for play space anytime soon. Well, how are you going to compete uh, as as money becomes more of a lure in some of these places? You better up the relationship game. You better up the scouting game to the nth degree, and Sharon seems absolutely committed to that. So, because you know, right now Marcus Freeman has to talk to his guy to, to keep him from saying, and that it's even gotten this far tells you how aggressive the offer must have been from uh, from from Sharone. It's not it's not altogether different from how Jim Harbaugh came in on the Ben Herbert deal. You know, I can look at how hard he's going at, at Chad Bowden. I can look at how hard he he went after Grant and how hard he he's going after Elston. Like there were there were three key battles that I saw with Jim for Sharon. It's Ben Herbert, like you weren't getting ever getting Jesse. It was Ben Herbert, it was it was Newsom and it was Elston. He came in on on Ben Herbert and I I just I knew he would come hard. This was I think it was ridiculous. <laughs> like the offer compared to other NFL guys is like a million dollars over at least. Right. So you can go back and forth, but he's telling you coming in the door. I'm gonna, I'm taking this guy with me. Now you've been able to fend them off with with Grant, sounds like, but Elston, that's still it's you got some encouraging signs with with Elston. He's on the road recruiting. No doubt that one of the reasons why they're on Chad Bowden is Mike Elston. That's one of the guys he knew from from his time at Notre Dame. So you see, Sharon taking some resources and going real hard in the paint for some guys. Now we gotta wait to see if if he's gonna win these battles on the recruiting side. Back to your point, though, uh, uh, there, Craig. I think if it's not Bowden, if they wind up coming and saying you aren't going, I'll be for, for our own guy. It is very clear that he is going to amplify that department in ways that we haven't seen around here. And that's not to be critical of Jim, but it's more of Sharon's style to go all in on, on recruiting and scouting and try to take it to another I level. mean, if there's
1: one thing to be critical about Jim, it's who he hired for his recruiting department. Like <laughs> you had Connor Stallions. Well, you had, I mean... You had, <laughs>
2: uh, Shemmy, was, like is that what his title was? You put, he, the title for Counter Stallions was
1: recruiting? I didn't even yes. know that. Yeah. He was a recruiting analyst.
2: <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't think, yeah. Was just...
1: So actually using <laughs> those positions on guys who are going to work in recruiting would be a big upgrade. Right. <laughs> right.
0: Well said. Well, well said. I mean, one thing about Sharon, I mean, this guy has never been a head coach before. He's 37 years old. You know, he's going to be working his butt off. Like, there's no question. Like, there's kind of like the early gym recruiting phase where he's like, all right, I'm going to be doing satellite camps, I'm going to be sleeping over at Quinn Nordeen's house. We're going to be on Twitter. We're going to do all this stuff just to be out there. And I don't think necessarily that Sharon's going to approach it in the same way, but I do think that whatever stone he can uncover to help him establish himself in this job he is going to do. There's nobody in America working harder right now than Sharon Moore.
3: Yeah, that's probably true. But you know, the last few years, or, or the the teams that have been successful here the last three years, really, you're not looking at at, at five star guys. What you're looking at is three and three and four star guys. Sometimes not even three star guys, really, who Michigan evaluated and developed. Now, how much of that was Harbaugh? How much of that was Ben Herbert? How much of that were you know was other people? I don't know. But something has gone, on, or just randomness. I guess there's always randomness. But I mean, something happened here to to get guys that in the program that other people didn't really want, or they weren't priorities, who became stars here and and will be first round picks. I mean, thinking of you know uh, Mason and uh, uh, and uh, Kent, Kenneth Grant. Yeah, I mean that. Those guys are going in the first round next year, by my guess, and neither one of them was was any kind of big time recruit. Uh, and so, a lot of what Michigan's success has been is finding guys with ceilings and and developing those ceilings and getting them into a system that that works for them. Now, how much of that is Harbaugh? I don't know. How much of that is you know Jesse Minner and and McDonald? I don't know. Uh, but that's where you know. That's where the work is and that's where Michigan can succeed because I don't think they're going to succeed by, you know, in their uh, transformational versus transactional uh, homily.
2: Yeah, Uh, I didn't I didn't agree with that. I've never agreed with that. Uh, I I just I think that on some level, all of these all of these decisions are transactional Yeah. on some level, even, you know, to, to me, the line is if you you are recruiting people that is totally a transactional consideration. If It is just like, whoever pays me the most is where I'm going. Uh, but if you're recruiting prospects <laughs> that that are like okay, I everything is equal the when I'm getting coaching and development wise, what I'm getting academically, uh, you know, what I'm getting feeling like socially, how I fit on campus. All those things are equal between Michigan and another school Now I'm going to compare NIL. Now it's a transactional relationship, it's a transactional decision. After you consider all those or along with all of those other factors. And I frankly just don't see a, a problem with that. That's my opinion is going to continue to be my opinion. But with with Kenneth Grant and Mason Graham, and this kind of gets into, I think, part of Sharon's thought process. Well, how How did they get those guys? They got in on Mason Graham early because they had Courtney Morgan. They closed Kenneth Grant because they had Courtney Morgan. And so you need figures like that in your recruit people like that in your recruiting department. People who are outstanding scouts with eyes for talent, people that are excellent relationship guys, people that can take Colin Kaepernick being on campus and turn it into a thing, right? <laughs> turn, it into, turn it into a recruiting thing. Yeah. Like that could have been a recruiting thing. So that's the the, the kind of thought process that I think is going to be applied to recruiting moving forward.
3: Yeah. I mean, I mean and Go ahead, Brian, I'm sorry.
0: I mean, I'm concerned about what Ward Manuel said about NIL because he was like, "Oh, well, we don't want to buy players." That's not buying players. He still has the mentality that Dave Brandon had. Like that, I mean, you're not buying a player, you're compensating them for your work. You know, he's the kind of guy who would probably say pay for play. And like that's would you say pay for work? Because that's what work is. And you think these guys don't do work. Like it's like a 1994 opinion that our athletic director, who is a black former college football player, has just put out into the stratosphere. I there's no wonder Hunter Dickinson isn't playing at Michigan this year. Like uh, I don't, they- I don't lay a, a whole lot on Ward about losing Jim Harbaugh, but the fact that Hunter Dickinson is playing at Kansas this year is 100% Ward Manuel's fault. Because if you can't put together a package to make him to to match what Kansas was bringing, then that's on you, and I, I feel like the whole debacle with the basketball roster and the debacle going forward with the basketball roster, Michigan is not going to compete in that sport with that attitude.
2: So Period. I I I disagree with the transformational versus transactional thing. I I mean it's is as if transactional it being a transactional thing is wrong. It, yeah. It is- is- is, is Ward
0: working, Manuel working for the University of Michigan oh, if he's just getting NIL? So I, I that,
3: think that
2: guy makes seven figures a year and he's telling other people not to get paid. See, I think that this is this is more emblematic of I, I don't think it even is just what well, I think this is the, the culture of Michigan of which he is a part, which I frankly think needs to I think that needs to change.
1: It wasn't always uh, the culture at Michigan. But,
2: but as you as you change thought processes. I think one of the things that we need to change and one of the reasons Hunter left and one of the reasons why they're going to keep him is if Hunter could get what Blake got, if Hunter could get what any of these football guys got, he would be here. But for whatever reason, it in the collective has tried to some of the collectors have tried to show the support over the basketball and people just don't support it like that. He didn't get a fraction of what football guys would get despite fundraising initiatives and efforts, the people didn't pony up. And they need to pony up more, frankly, for football, too. But imagine that. You can't even get folks to pony up as much for the top basketball guy as they do for for, for the football guy. Hunter Dickinson was one of the most popular athletes on campus. And you can't get people to show the kind of support that would have kept him here. So I think it has much more to do with that because they are at least paying that kind of money to keep to bring Donovan back and to bring Blake back and to bring Trevor and Zach back, he couldn't get anywhere close to anything that those guys were getting. And uh, for whatever reason, we can't get, we can't find or drum up the kind of support. I,
1: I think basketball. there's more in the tank. Michigan's athletic department has a crazy amount of money. They get a lot of money from donations. If the athletic director was telling them, look. I need you to be Texas. I need you to be like Oregon. We are raising the same amount of funds that those guys are. We're not raising them for the players. And I think that Brian's right. I think that we have this idea, which came from Fritz Chrysler during the 1930s. That's where this idea got in. This was not always Michigan's culture. It came in the 1930s during the Great Depression when we started well, telling. Well, I mean, th- that's not. If what you're we talking have
0: to about 100 years ago. Than it has always been. I,
1: I'm saying it doesn't have to have to be. When Michigan was winning national championships under Yost, it was the same game it is today. It's always been the same game. Transactions I'm- are fair. There's nothing wrong with being with a transaction. A transaction says, "I'm going to give you this. I treat you with respect. You give me that. You treat me with respect. We're on the same level." This transformational versus transactional stuff is a way of saying, "I don't want it to ha- I don't I don't want our relationship to be fair." That's what the not, that's not me hearing it that way. That's how the players hear it. I was at a um a camp that Michigan held a couple weeks after they said that the first time and it was on the tip of everyone's tongue. And it was not a very happy thing. That is it's telling
3: the players that we don't want this transaction to be fair. My question is how, how can you be in a transactional environment when you also have, uh, open, open, uh, portals. And in other words, when you don't have contracts, uh, when, you know, when I go to work someplace, when Sam goes to work someplace, uh, we have a contract and they say, OK, we're going to pay you this. you got to do that. Uh, but r- but right now you've got theoretically these transactions going on with 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 no undermining with no un- underlying contract.
0: Yeah. And well,
3: I, d- I don't know how that works.
0: Well, I mean, I don't have a contract with Seth. Right. Like, yeah, but I pay him.
3: <laughs> yeah, you pay him and he works, but it, that that you know that's right. But uh, I don't see how how this. And, but that's a slightly different context. I don't know how it works in uh, you know Michigan basketball gets Hunter Dickinson and they have a and they have no contract with him and they're paying him. they they negotiate a deal where he gets I don't know half a million dollars a year and then Kansas comes in and says, "Hey, Hunter, we'll pay you a million a year." Okay, I'm out. Is that is that is, is that a system that works for for college sports? I I have a question that that's that that's really something well, where, that works no. particularly well.
0: Like the the current state of play is is the NCAA boys dying death throes trying to pretend that what's happening isn't happening. Correct. And the I agree with that. Tennessee AG just filed suit against the NCAA because they're investigating Tennessee for using NILs or recruiting inducement, and they're going to win that case because the NCAA never wins any of their lawsuits. And at that point, it's just going to be open season, and Michigan needs to be prepared for that.
2: I mean, what you're talking about, Brian, it it, it kind of gets back to my point. I think they're, you know, the, the the culture as it relates to paying student athletes in the state of Michigan, where you can start at the university and work your way out to the state of Michigan. It is more comprehensive in other places. You remember when they were talking about punishing Jeremy Pruitt and the Tennessee AG basically dared them to impose a postseason ban uh-huh. and said, if you do, we're going to sue. Yeah, And now they're investigating them and they said, we're going to sue you or we are suing you for infringing, infringing upon the, the NIL Rights of our student athletes are in in Missouri where they're incentivizing student athletes, legally incentivizing student athletes to to stay in the state of Missouri and play football. You can start earning money right now as a high school athlete if you sign with it with a state institution. That is the kind of sort of cultural shift in the current environment, frankly, I think is I think is advisable. it's what I would, how I would do it, how I would want to see it. But it requires, uh, A, raising the alarm bells. I was talking about it with J.J. McCarthy. Like, J.J. McCarthy is a guy that, you know, at the beginning of the season, you feel like it should be, like, big-time offer right on the table right now and work at, work at it throughout the year. Eventually, there was a big-time offer, not as big-time as it needed to be to make them think, but need to get. To the place where it's like, you know, if we're going to play this game, if we're going to sustain this, there's going to need to be a shift. Of course, when it comes from the university, it comes from the athletic department, when it comes to transformational versus transactional. But from the all the way to the to the donors, understanding how much you really need to give to make this work like a one more year fund, a whole one more year fund wasn't enough to get JJ to 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 make him move off of what he was doing. Like you know, and not to say that it was totally a financial decision, but we just don't—we ha- aren't thinking the same way they think elsewhere. We're not thinking along those lines, and I'm not—I'm not advocating to be Alabama or to be the state of Tennessee. Why not? I, Why I, not? I what is on.
0: what is what is immoral about paying people to do a job, right? Like what? Like nothing about Alabama or Tennessee wanting to give people money for services rendered is wrong
2: i'm i'm an advocate for for pay for play but what i'm saying is i'm not advising that that be your that be your approach because i don't think that's a recipe for a sustainable the sustainable health of a program if everybody you get is you're just getting going to the highest bidder i don't think you're going to be able to well no
0: you know I, I mean i don't want to go full texas a m
2: because you see how that works out right like the people who are
0: just like, if you give me a dollar more than this other guy and aren't actually considering anything else about your school, right? one, they're going to transfer. And two, they're probably not going to be real good football players because their head's not in the right, right spot. I don't, yeah, you got to be smart about this stuff. But being smart about that stuff includes the fact that this is a professional sport, flat out. Men's basketball that, and sorry. football in college are professional sports they are. And if we don't have an athletic director who acknowledges that, I mean, this is never going to happen again. Michigan never won a, a national championship again because Jim Harbaugh was able to swim against the current here and had a really good group of guys, but the landscape is changing. And if Michigan is going to be left behind, then, you know, we're not going to have a roster that's capable of doing this. But
3: my, you know, and I think you've just gotten to the heart of it. I mean, it it is and is a professional sport but there's been this veneer layered over to over it that it makes it quote something else people root for michigan to some extent uh because they might have gone to michigan they they hope that the college athletes who went who come to michigan went there for the same reason they went from to michigan uh that they love ann arbor they love the community they love the school and that's why they root for those guys when it becomes clear they're just the detroit lions not to denigrate the detroit lions why not just root for the detroit lions well and, i don't
0: agree yeah. with that because there's a difference is that unless you're at ohio state those kids are on campus they're part of the university community that is a, the thing that i think the NCAA should hold on to is that you are an enrolled student at this university mm-hmm. And that you have a certain amount of time, you have four years, and if you take a red shirt, you get five. And and that, I feel, is worth like hanging on to.
1: That, because, so that's another piece of it, and that's a piece we haven't really talked about because we don't really uh, feel yeah. like we have control over it. The NCAA right now is antithetical to what the NCAA should be. The NCAA is not at all looking at what's best for the sport. They certainly are not looking at what's best for the student-athletes. They are transitioning slow right now into a system, and they're not doing it on purpose. They're just getting jerked into it because they lose every single fight that they get into, but they have no vision. So what they're doing is they're transitioning to a system where everybody's a free agent every year, and every player is right. replaceable. And that will keep salaries down. That's what we're talking about now is the is player payment. It will keep salaries down because if you have everybody a free agent every year, then everybody's replaceable. You want to leave, fine. I'll go get another guy from Central Michigan or whatever, right? And it will all sort itself out, and that actually will keep their values down. They will not be getting an education. You're not going to get an education if you're jumping schools every year. If You're, you're not going to have a very good product on the field because these guys are getting to know each other instead of learning a system and developing. You're not going to have as much investment in the players. Nobody's going to win in that scenario. But that's what they're heading to because if everybody is just going off and doing whatever's best for them at that moment, because this is a short-term deal and that's how this operates, we are going to ruin what we what was so great about this sport. And the fans are still going to keep coming. I, I'm going to keep watching Michigan. I'm not going to lie. But we are damaging the product irreparably, and without some sort of leadership in the NCAA. And it could start at Michigan. If Michigan had an athletic director who says, this is the system that we need, and becomes someone who just is forcing this on everybody. Everyone wants change so much right now that they would get on board. There is room for a leader who wants to have a new system. It's got to happen now, and it's got to happen forcefully, and it's got to happen loudly. And I was Really hopeful we'd hold on to Jim Harbaugh for a long time because he was one of those guys who thinks like that, who thinks in terms of let's upset the system and create something better that's going to work for everybody. What right now we're doing is trying to hang on to a system that's already dead. It's like the the last moments of the Russian uh, of Soviet Russia. And we're going to fall into an oligarchical system where everybody is not going to get what they want. Now, the players could do it too. The players could form a union and say, look, what's best for us is if the schools have to make a commitment to us, then we make a commitment back to them. And therefore, we're not all moving around all the time. Therefore, they're stuck with us. Because the best thing for a player is not necessarily getting paid the most. It's having your university say, I can't replace that guy. If I get a defensive tackle as a freshman, I've got to get him educated, and I've got to get him able to play defensive tackle as well as I can. So I'm going to invest in everything that makes his life better because I can't afford to lose this guy. That's what would be best for everybody. And that's what the system the NCAA originally tried to create. The presidents were supposed to be on the side of that idea. That was the concept of the NCAA. Right now, what they are doing is antithetical to that entire idea.
2: Look, man, don't listen I think the NCAA ideal was always set up to to keep the rank and file in its place. I I think that the ideal that it was was somehow noble to forego being paid uh, while you play a sport was ridiculous. It was something that was designed to allow rich people to play sports when common folk, couldn't because who could what com what who would if the common folk could afford not to work to go play a sport? So it was I, exclusionary,
1: I just, honestly. It was a way to keep black people out of the sport originally, that too, yeah. that too. But <laughs> that even, was even, the, even before that, that, that was the idea,
3: before, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I hear you,
2: but that that obviously is a manifestation of it too. So I, I think this the the design of the NCAA has always been to keep the common folk from from being in a place where they could thrive in an intercollegiate environment financially. And now you certainly have the rank and file in a position where they can demand some of those things. There has to be a happy medium. I don't want to get off into a discussion about how you achieve some sort of order in all this, but how do you operate in this moment? And I just feel like, man, you know, as we talk about how mission, we got to get to a break. I, I can see Ira without without even seeing her. <laughs> Let's get to a break right now. We'll come back on the other side. We'll pick this conversation up and we'll try to squeeze in a little basketball as well. So stay tuned here. And we'll and try go to, to our stop round you. table. <laughs> on the Michigan Not me. I I want to talk basketball. Uh sports talk 1050 WTK, the ticket. Uh but yeah, man, I I think that the the whole transformational versus transactional thing. I there there's an opportunity here because I think that's actually a place where I think Ward and and um Jim were in lockstep on. I just, I, I think that there has to be a shift there. I think there has to be a shift with even with the 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 notion of student athletes, young student athletes, freshmen coming in the door, you know, being able to have you know, like huge earning potential right out the gate. You know, I, I I think that's something that needs to be pushed. They they you know, Jim sort of had a certain order to it that he wanted it to be, and I just I would treat it like it's the NFL, man. I, I really would. You know, if 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 Aiden Hutchinson is a first round pick, guess what? Aiden Hutchinson's gonna get a big check. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem. Well, maybe that's, that's the way
3: it's got to go. I mean, Brian said as much five minutes ago, and um, maybe that's right. The system's that gonna change. It's, it, We're not gonna st-
1: the system as it is right now is in transition. We're not gonna be in the. It's just like I mean, this is why I went back to Usterban. It's the 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 system that existed in 1948 was not going to be the system in 1958, and they knew that in 48. They knew that television was going to take over. They knew that the amount, the size of stadiums was growing. Can we that stop talking about made.
0: the 1930s and 1940s?
1: No, no, it's not it's relevant. Ab- no, it's absolutely relevant. It was no, the it's last relevant. Time, it was. It was the last time there was a transition this large but, but in the fundamental economics of matter.
3: Football.
1: Like like it like
0: what matters is whether Michigan is operating well in the current environment. And like what happened, Fritz Chrysler is not relevant to the conversation. He absolutely is. I completely disagree with you on this.
1: Yes. Because Fritz Chrysler was thinking exactly the same way that we're, that, 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 ward's thinking. I want to stay but, in the system that exists before. He's a he was a guy who was good at operating in the system that existed before <clears throat> and was not looking at the fact that the now I'm not saying it's exactly the same. I'm saying it's very relevant because this the economic underpinnings of the pro, of the sport, how players were compensated was shifting dramatically. We went from not having scholarships to having scholarships and food and everything paid for used to get in trouble for the kind of things that became legal in the, ni- in the middle of the 1950s. And it all happened in a short period of time. It's very much like today, and it's very relevant to today because administrators were looking at the sport the same way they're looking at it now. I want to stay in this old system that's already dead.
3: I mean, you're, I, I actually think you're making a reasonable point, Seth. The and, and looking, I mean, of course I have this weird thing about time, and it's why I I'm always He's studying the so Weimar Republic. <laughs> yeah, and it's why I'm always studying the Weimar Republic. I mean, there's a line from a Talking head song: "Time isn't after us. Time isn't holding us. Back in about same 20, as, same as it ever was. Same as it ever was. And uh, it, you know, and I think it's it's a reasonable mantra. Uh, so I, 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 useful to look at at, at those events.
2: And we are back, folks, here on the Michigan Insider Sports Talk, ten fifty, WTKA online at WTK.com, Sam Webb, Mister Ira Weintraub on the other side, and the MGo Blog Roundtable crew. Uh, we are having a NIL discussion, and so let, let's pick that up because the approach to NIL, I think, is is in the moment crucial, and uh, in, in terms of being able to compete at the championship level, is existential. And so, how do you how do you adapt? And I think I think for me, in trying to raise the alarm bells, what I've tried to do is illustrate the difference in a way that creates a sense of urgency. So J.J. McCarthy is the best example for me. You know, Michigan, and there was an NIL package put together to keep, and, I, and, and to be clear, I don't want to make this out to be a total financial decision for J.J. He was looking at the offense, he was looking at the going to the NFL, and 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 being in position to start that clock right now and development right now so there are other factors but there was not a a financial package that incentivized returning enough to to make that be a factor if you if you understand what I'm getting at they there was one put together but if you're going to keep JJ McCarthy that's like the big check writers that's not a crowd fund that's not a crowd uh funding or crowdsourced Sort of initiative like you could do with a one more year fund. It's you're probably talking three or four one more year funds to get a guy like that to think about it. But that's the kind of that's the kind of big check that they're writing at A and M. That's the kind of big check that they're writing at Tennessee. That they're writing in the Alabamas, in the Georgias, or even with Drake May in in North Carolina. And that's the kind of big check that I don't know that we're in a place where there's an understanding that that's what you need to do to compete. It's almost a blessing. And a curse that they won a championship, despite not having gone to bat like that. One more year fund is one thing, but J, you know, magnify that, multiply that by a factor of three and four when you're talking about the JJ McCarthy, and that's where we need to be culturally. And I just don't think that we're we're there yet. Your your example that you brought up, Brian, is another great one. Hunter Dickinson, Hunter Dickinson is one where it's like, okay, what does it take? What's the big check? And I just don't sense that people really get that that's what you got to do to keep athletes like that. Now I'm not just talking about donors. I think that, I think that's Michigan too. I think that's, I think that's everyone culturally needing to come together and understand to compete in this environment. There's going to have to be a shift with how we can, how we perceive a student athlete, at least in my view.
0: Yeah. And I think that there's a couple of regions who have been very publicly willing to shift that. And, you know, I, I, I think that there are some people involved with the university who are, have an understanding of this. I don't think the athletic director is one of them because if he was, then he wouldn't be saying the kind of things that he's saying he wouldn't be trying to, you know, put the brakes on the idea that you know, the whole transactional thing is offensive to me. It is offensive that he would say something like that because it's like, how is their work less important than your work? Honestly, their work is far more important to the university than, Any administrator, period, up to Santa Ono, because that guy's replaceable. How replaceable is JJ McCarthy? He's not. And so we're talking about like, oh, pay for play. That is a pejorative statement that nobody should be saying anymore. It's not pay for play. It's pay for work. And I just don't have a whole lot of faith, given what we've seen at Award Manual, that he's the guy to lead this transition because. If he was, he wouldn't be saying the things he's saying. And maybe I, maybe right. there are, you know, Bill Hancock was famously saying that a playoff would destroy college football. And then when they had a playoff, he was the spokesman for the playoff. So it's possible that <laughs> Ward Manuel, for whatever reason, is saying these things and he doesn't actually believe them.
2: And, no, I think he I think he I think he absolutely but I think he's someone he talked about it in his uh when he met with the media Saturday that a large part of how he views college college athletics is based on his own experience as a student athlete who came in as a highly ranked guy and very quickly saw his career come to an end due to injury. And because he got an education at the university of Michigan, he was able to use that to fuel what wound up being. That's insane
0: because nobody is saying that he shouldn't get an education at the university of Michigan. You know, that is so, not something that anyone
2: is claiming should happen. If, so, if, so what I'm addressing is your your comment where you said, uh, you, I don't know if he really believes what he what he what he says. I think he absolutely believes what he says because of his personal experience, where the value that he places on the the intercollegiate experience for a student athlete is a part of the compensation. Now, again, for me, the the dollars and cents of it. The, the comparative analysis of how much I get paid here versus how much I get paid there, I have no problem with that. I am with that. But that is reasonable. People can disagree. I don't think they That's can.
0: I don't think they can. I think this is a, a very black and white issue is whether lar- largely black, often Im- like not very wealthy people should be paid for what they do. And Like, I remember there was a daily article about Denard Robinson where they went down and they watched a game with his family in Deerfield Beach, Florida, and they watched in the garage and they had like a 13-inch television, like like a cathode ray tube television that they were watching Denard Robinson, then the most famous player in college football, on the cover of NCAA 14. And it is deeply wrong that Denard Robinson did not get paid for what he did at Michigan. It is wrong. And if Ward Manuel thinks that the education that Denard Robinson got is compensation for that, his best years as an athlete were at Michigan, and he did not get paid. He went to the NFL very briefly; it didn't work out, and he is probably seven figures away from where he should be. But that's that's not what I said, though. I'd say, I I'm he, sorry. He, I'm yeah. sorry. I'm
2: I'm arguing with Ward Manuel, not arguing with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> I, what I said was I think he thinks it's part of the compensation. Not the compensation, and, sure. and and so so to to me, listen, I, I I am very cognizant of what the the work that's being done with the collectives. They had all those every place we went, they they had the Rose Bowl, uh, the Rose Bowl shindig where they raised funds for the collective, and the championship shindig where they raised funds for for the collective. So they're raising money for the collectives at the same time. The level of support of what we see, what we the dollars that we see flowing in and the the ideology around paying student-athletes is different elsewhere. And there needs to be obviously a, a serious look in the mirror moment to say, hey, can we compete like this at a championship level if our approach is, is this, if the gap is that wide in how we see things? And if it's not, if we if we understand that we can't compete at that level, are we okay with that? And you gotta make a decision because I don't think there's gonna be an in-between here, at least in the here and now, at least until there's some sort of rules that are put in place that basically make pay for play make it be the rule of the day. Because if Tennessee wins, if the Tennessee attorney general wins his case, then pay for play will be a thing. That's well, what, that's what'll happen. It's already, a thing.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, legally, I mean,
2: yeah, but you know, but like the, to the, the, the legality it. of it is
1: is is almost irrelevant because the illegality of it is part of the system. All right, this was a communist system. I'm sorry to use the word, but I'm talking about the economic speak. Economically speaking, the system was a planned economy. When you have a planned economy like that, you're going to have. People who are not getting compensated correctly. And the way to take care of that is have a black market. Therefore, anyone participating in the black market is under your control because you can go and arrest them anytime. This is how the communist system worked. This is how Soviet Russia worked. And this is how the NCAA worked for a 100 years. Okay? The cheating is part of the system. When Tennessee is just reacting to their needs at this moment. So we're not creating anything new. What we are doing is moving into a new era, and there are going to be changes. What things look like in 2034 are not what they look like in 2024. We need to start preparing, if not leading, what that next system looks like. I want someone who's not just going to pay the players. I want someone who's going to talk to our big donors because we have humongous donors. We have people who could blow Phil Knight out of the water. But they're not spending money on football, and they're not told to spend money on football. They're not approached to spend money on football players or basketball players or any of that. They are told to put your money, your name on a building. Is what they is where their money goes, and
3: it goes We should to threaten
0: to take all the names off the buildings. Yeah, they should. They should. Like, <laughs> anybody with their name on anything, it's time to time to pony up for something that's real instead of making it making the namespace of of Michigan athletics worse. Yeah, like Lloyd Carr <laughs> Tunnel. Okay, whoever sponsored the boxes or whatever, they didn't do anything for Michigan. Make that the Blake Corum box. Yeah, like it's it. Like if you want to keep those names, uh, I mean, the price has gone up.
1: Yeah, and but it's a. I, I mean, what I would do right now is I'd have somebody paying our players to do, com- do national commercials during the Super Bowl, talking about how there should be a new system. Create the I mean there's gonna be a players union eventually. Create it here. Start it at Michigan. And then have well, our players be the spokesman for it.
0: You're talking about an entirely different athletic department, I think.
3: So let's go get it. Because if we're not but doing I, that a behind right this. now. I agree with this. I mean I I I think uh unless you have a players union or or various players unions, because I assume gymnastics won't be the same as football, for example. Uh, but unless you unless you have various players' unions, uh, I don't see how you can ever have a playing field. Uh, I'm talking about cross-campus playing field, uh, other campuses, uh, where people will retain interest. Uh, I mean, if, if, if Alabama comes out every year and they're just, uh, you know, the San Francisco 49ers and Michigan is Bowling Green Light, no one's interested. And, and, and to me, it's, it's a, sort of a travesty that Bowling Green comes, has to come up and play it at, at Michigan or next year at Penn state to, for that program to even exist. They got no NIL money at, at, at Bowling Green. You know, I mean, but what
0: like, that's and, not, gonna, and, that's not going to change though.
3: Well, but like. I'm, but if it's all, if it's all Michigan Bowling Green 2023, uh, it's not a system people are interested in anymore. And and so, and so you're going to have to have a some kind of a playing field uh, where it looks reasonably competitive. And to do that, I think you're going to have to have unionization. I think you're going to have rules about uh, about what the playing field is. And at this point, we don't. It's the wild west. And and I don't and I don't think the wild west is sustainable. It wasn't talking to Seth's point. You know, in the 1880s. And it ain't now. And and so, uh, you know, something's going something's to have to change here. And, and I think Seth is right. Why not start that change here? Uh, I mean, we've been talking about it on in other arenas for a while.
0: I, I mean, yeah, but Ward Manuel didn't even get rid of a hockey coach who lied in an investigation when his contract <laughs> was up until like two weeks before the season. Like, th- this, this is not a guy who's going to be like, oh, I'm going to do something important.
2: Yeah, like,
1: I think seen, we're all agreed that Ward's not going to be leading so
0: wait, this. So this level.
2: So, <laughs> you, a couple of things. Number one, unionization of. Let me see if I understand your point correctly, Craig. Yeah. Were you saying you want to see unionization of uh, for student athletes start at Michigan?
1: Yep. Yeah. 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 We should be. Yeah. It's going to happen anyway. Might as well. Might as well yeah. be the ones who lead it, and then. <laughs> you actually have an opportunity. If you get ahead of these things, you have an opportunity to shape it and to put some uh, safeguards on it. If they, if the NCAA had realized where things were going 10 years ago, they would have a much better deal than they're getting. If you are the one who are designing the show, you're the one who gets to design the safeguards. And Michigan can design a system where offering the best education and offering the best university and offering the best fans is actually an advantage, not a disadvantage. All right, folks, we have got to scoop.
3: We, we talked got a lot of basketball, didn't we? <laughs> we'll get back. We'll,
2: we'll get Brian basketball. did it to
3: us again. Damn that Brian. He manages to get us off on this every week.
2: We will get into basketball next week. For sure, we're here on the Michigan Insider of Sports Talks in 50 WTK. The Ticket, the official voice of the University of Michigan Sports, Ann Arbor, community of community